Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Hey, good morning and good to see you. My name is Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here. Man, we're pumped that you're hanging out with us today. And so I have a question for you. Uh, I, I had an experience over the last few weeks where this kind of hit me. Uh, have you ever walked into your house, and you've been working all day, and before you left, you left, and it was clean. And you come back, and all of a sudden, like, the place is like a tornado of children hit it, Right? Uh, like a hurricane named life just swept right through your house, and you look and you're like, what in, what in the heck has happened here? Uh, it looks like war has break, broken out in your house, and the shrapnel of toys are just literally laying all over your house, and you know that you, know, you got some people coming over in the next hour or so for dinner because you planned that, and you're looking at this and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is... This is impossible. Like, what am I going to do? And you start to freak out a little. You ever done that? Well, I know how my wife feels because uh, this has happened to her. <laughs> she, she does an incredible job of keeping our house clean, but God forbid she leave for a day with me and our boys. Like, she comes home, and y'all should pray for her because she walks in, and it's like that look every time. She's like, oh, my gosh, what has happened? And it feels impossible, right? I, I think that many of us have had similar situations, maybe not just with your house being clean, but uh, maybe it's other things, right? Other things in your life where, uh, I don't know, that maybe you are just graduating high school and you're about to jump into college and your first paper's coming due and you're looking and you're like, wait, they, they didn't teach me how to do this. Like, how, how am I going to, this is impossible. Uh, maybe for you, it's looked like a situation where you keep opening up your bills and you feel like you are in an unsurmountable pile of debt. I mean, this is, this is impossible. Like, how, how are we going to do this? Uh, may, maybe you have noticed that you continue to gain weight and that you can't get off the mountain. Wait, nope, that one's for me. That one's for me. Start moving on. Um, no, that, one's, that one was just for me. I didn't mean that for anyone else. You know, may, maybe it's a project at work that your, your boss has laid on you in addition to the other things that you've been asked and tasked to do, and you're just like, are you kidding? Like, this is another full-time job. Can we not just hire someone? And they're like, no. You're like, can I get a raise? They're like, no. You're like, okay, well, I, okay, I don't know what to do here. It feels impossible. Maybe you started to renovate your basement a year ago, and you still look around, and you're like, man, what, what, what are we doing? Uh, my dad, when I was younger, my dad started a renovation of a 66 Chevrolet short bed step side. And it was a beautiful old truck, and it was in wild disrepair. And 20 years later, we were finally like, maybe we should just sell the thing. Uh, like, had not done anything to it. And the thing is, I think most of us can relate to something in our life that we look at it, and we stand at the foot of it, and we're like, man, this is impossible. This is impossible. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how we're going to accomplish this. I don't know how we're going to see this through. I don't, I don't see a way. I don't really see a path. I'm not sure how this is going to get done. I think many of us have, have been in that spot, right? Um, and then, all of a sudden, maybe when we do start to work towards it and we start to take it, you know, the whole eat an elephant thing, right, one bite at a time, or in my house, it's one Mario toy at a time. Um, and so if anybody buys my kids more Marios, we will fight, 
okay? Do not do it. Um, and then, so you start doing it, and you're, you're, you're kind of taking in, you're, you're, you're stepping into this task or whatever the project might be, and then inevitably, inevitably something comes up, right? It always happens. You finally got over the moment of like, this is impossible, and you started to do something about it, and then, of course, something happens. Your kid gets sick, the boss calls you back into the office, your car breaks down, you got a flat tire, uh, I mean, you know, someone in the family passes away. I mean, all of a sudden, like, there's just always something that comes up when we're trying to chase after these things that seemingly are impossible. And then not only does life get in the way, sometimes we deal with an enemy who tries to stand in the way. Sometimes Satan the enemy gets in our way and tries to, tries to hinder us and distract us from different things. And then, I don't know if it, this is true of you, but then sometimes I get in my own way. I've been known to shoot myself in my own foot too many times. And the thing is, is that we look at these circumstances and these situations, and whatever it might look like in your life, I think many of you can connect to that idea of being and looking at something in your life that's seemingly impossible, and yet knowing it's time to do something about it and you start the process of being about it and then opposition comes in the way. That's what we're gonna lean in today. So I wanna tell you, we've been in a series called uh, From Rubble to Revival. And uh, we're, we're four weeks in today and we've been walking through this story and this book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you've not been with us before, Nehemiah uh, is a leader in the Old Testament the wall of Jerusalem had been torn down and was in ruins, and when Nehemiah found out about it, he, he, he was brokenhearted over his hometown, and that's what we learned in week one, that Nehemiah had a hometown heartbreak, where he saw that the wall was in ruins and he felt like he needed to do something about it. There was a burden that God placed on his heart. And then the second thing that we learned was that he realized what had gotten them in that place, and he understood that confession needed to happen. And that's what we walked through in week two, where we realized that, that confession would be the thing to crush the chains that were holding us back from our calling in life. And it was a beautiful day and a beautiful Sunday where people saw freedom and breaking away from the chains that have been holding them back from the things God has called them to. And, and then last week, we took some time because Nehemiah uh, took some time after he uh, was broken from the chains from confession he was working for a king. He got permission to go back to Jerusalem to help do something about the wall of Jerusalem being torn down. The king sent him not only on his way, but with resources. Last week, we met Nehemiah where he starts to meander the town and look and consider what all's going on. And he got vision for how the wall was going to be rebuilt. He had a, a, a vision to, and, a, and a way to help communicate to people, hey, the wall of Jerusalem is torn down, and it's in disgrace. But we're going to rebuild the wall, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And then he said that the Lord is on our side, and then he said, come, let's start rebuilding. And last week, we talked about that it was a call to action. And so today, uh, we're going to continue in this story, and I just wanted to catch you up real quick as we continue in this story, because any time we start to do something important, typically in our lives, and for sure, when we endeavor to do something important in the eyes of God, opposition is always going to come about. And we're going to see that today as we dive in. So if you have your Bible, I'll invite you to join me in Nehemiah chapter 4. 
Uh, as you're getting there, uh, I want to just quickly recap, because last week as we left, you know, they started to do the rebuilding work, and I said, hey, you need to read chapter 3 on your own, and uh, I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but I wonder if you, if you took some time to read chapter 3, and if you did, here's what you would have seen. You would have seen that the, the people, even the leaders, stood shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, family by family, and they started to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem section by section, gate to gate, building to building. They started the work. That was the call. We got work to do, and they got after it. And so now we're going to pick up this, uh, this story, and, uh, and as we do, we're, we're going to understand and see that opposition arises. And opposition is going to come in the form of uh, three bullies, uh, three bullies that we're going to meet. And a couple of guys uh, who were up to no good, they started making trouble in this neighborhood. Um, so, Sanballat, Tobias, and Gresham, they started to mock Nehemiah. They started to insult them. And so here we have the opposition. Here, here we go. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is what the word of the Lord says. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall... He became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Amorite who was at his side said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. So here we have in this instance, we have opposition. We have people who are coming up against the work that the people are doing and, and ultimately coming up against the will of God. Now, uh, in this instance, we have people who are coming up in opposition. But I want you to understand, and I think you know this, that opposition doesn't always show up in the form of an enemy in the way of people. Oftentimes, the, the enemy himself, Satan, the deceiver, shows up. Now, Satan is known as the deceiver. Why? Because that's where his work begins. The, the enemy is really good at helping get in our minds because ultimately what we believe, then we will do with our hands. I wonder how many of you have experienced opposition and it wasn't just from people, but it was actually the enemy and he was starting to put things in your head and ask questions like, man, that wall ain't gonna make it. Even a fox would knock it over. You're gonna rebuild that thing in a day? And all of a sudden that deception that gets in our head starts to change the way that we think, and then ultimately, then what we do with our hands. This is what they thought. But as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it is people, sometimes it is Satan. But man, I've been known to be my own worst enemy. Anybody else, that's true? <laughs> like, I say and do dumb things all the time that get me in trouble, keep me in trouble. I, I, like, hinder my own self. Like, I don't, here's what I think. I think we give Satan way too much credit for things that we do on our own. <laughs> I can't be up here blaming Satan for some of the dumb things I said and did. You know why? Because I did it. That was me. But the enemy will always start with ridicule. Uh, and here, here's why that's important. Have you ever heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? 
Are you crazy? Like, come on. Man, that's the dumbest saying ever, isn't it? Because that ain't true at all. Because here's what I know. You can come up to me and you can punch me in the face and I might be angry and after my black eye heals and your dead body is put in the grave, um, then I'm gonna get over it, right? That was a joke. Um, I, I mean, at some point I might get over it. But man, there have been things said to me, some intentionally, some intentionally across my life that have cut so deep that I will never forget them. I mean, I shared with you guys just a few weeks ago uh, in our time of confession about how my family broke apart, my dad left our family, and there was a moment in a restaurant, which is the last conversation I ever had with him, where he and his new wife walked in the restaurant, she looked at me and my brother and said, there's your sons. My dad said, sons? What's that? Those are words I'll never forget. Those are words that cut so deeply. Sticks and stones for sure can break your bones, but words absolutely can hurt. This is why the enemy is so good at speaking lies over your life. Because inherently, when we are not attuned to the truth, we are so good at learning to believe lies. This stands in opposition. And so we have these three bullies in the hood, and they're trying to slow down what's already seemingly impossible. And I love Nehemiah's response. It goes on in verse four. He turns and he doesn't talk to them. He starts to pray to God. He says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. That's my dude right there. (laughs) Get them, Lord. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So he basically, he didn't even respond to them. He turns to the Lord, he's like, get them, Lord. (laughs) I love that. Verse six, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. He prayed that, that God would hand them over to enemies. He prayed that God would like not forgive them. But then his response was, yeah, yeah, but there's still work to be done. And, and he said that they started to build the wall till half its height. And it said that they did it with all of their heart. And man, like this, this encourages me because the reality is that's the story of our church is Perseverance. Those of you that have been walking with us from day one, you know this. Those of you that are maybe newer to us or maybe you're here for the first time, you don't really know much about our story. But man, we started in the heart of the pandemic in 2020, and we originally were going to meet in a high school, could not meet in the school because of COVID. Then we were offered a chance to meet at another church's space on Sunday afternoon. Question, you ever tried to build a church in a lake community on Sunday afternoon? (laughs) It ain't easy. People, don't, people love their lake, and they don't like church. Well, they'll do it in the morning for an hour, but don't hinder my afternoon, right? And, and then along the way, we, we thought we had a location secured, and, uh, and we went in that direction, and then that fell apart, and then we had nowhere to meet. And then we met at Rock, Spring, Rock Springs Campground for a month, and then North Lincoln High School opened their doors for us, and we met there for a year. And then last summer, they said, hey, uh, we love you. Uh, you ain't got to go, but you just can't stay here. (laughs) And so they gave us the boot and said, you got to leave. 
And so for four months, we were scrambling, trying to figure out, like, well, where do we go? I mean, I don't know if you looked around, but, like, we, we've had, you know, a couple hundred people walking with us for a while now. Where do we just take all these people? And then God opened the door for us to gather here in Maiden starting in January. Man, it's been a wild ride, and it's so ironic. I, I, people laugh at me when I share this with other pastors and leaders. They're like, oh, where does home church meet? I'm like, home church doesn't have a home. <laughs> Like we load in and load out of a school right now. And so the thing about it is, is that our journey has been about perseverance. There seemingly has been opposition along the way. And yet, we continue to plow ahead. We continue to keep building. We continue to, with all of our heart, move where God's continuing to tell us to move. And he's provided for us. And here we are. We'll be celebrating our third year in, uh, in October. And man, like, perseverance is starting to pay off. And listen, if you came in here today and you hear nothing else, I just want to tell you, keep walking. Keep walking. Keep fighting. Keep building. I I know that you're tired. I know that you feel like the world is against you. I feel like, I know you feel like this thing is impossible, this journey of life and raising kids and and dealing with stuff and dealing with debt and houses and cars and, and, and dealing with all of the things that come along with life. Friends, if nothing else, just keep walking. Don't give up. Just keep moving day after day. And this is what it takes for us. Perseverance to keep moving. Even when, when, even when we don't want to. And even when we don't feel like we can make it another day. We got to keep moving with all of our heart. Every single time we felt like this thing was about to die, God gave us better. That's a word for someone today. When you think what's in your life is about to die, that thing you love, that thing you care for, God's about to give you better. It's been our story. I believe it can be yours too. Verse seven. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Amorites, and all the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, They were very angry. By the way, we went from three dudes to like three whole nations. (laughs) Tell me that when you do something for God, that opposition will not mount. It for sure will. Opposition will mount. Verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. See, when the enemy sees you actually working towards something, especially for the purpose of, purposes of God, there will be a target put on your back. Don't be foolish. Don't be naive to think that you're going to go and do a work and accomplish something for God and experience no opposition. You for sure will. Accept it. Relish it. Embrace it. You know, I, I, this kind of reminded me of like that journey that we've been on. And um, listen, I, I, if you've never been here before, I don't, we, don't just, we just don't get political here. Like, I'm just not going to talk left and right and all that kind of stuff. Um, but something came up over this last week that, um, man, it, it, it honestly, it felt like the enemy building up opposition again. So as we planted our church, we were right in the heart of COVID, and, and it changed so many things, and it really changed the trajectory of our church. 
And here we are, we've been a maiden for six months, and God's growing our church. We're seeing more and more people coming, and we're really finally getting to a healthy spot. And I'm sure you've seen this, but now there's this talk of a, another variant of COVID working around and vaccinations and kind of all that stuff, right? I'm not getting into all that. But here's what that did in my heart, which was like, holy crap. What are we going to do if they shut the school down again? Where are we going to meet? Like, all of a sudden, like, that opposition, that enemy started to well back up in my head over that same old enemy that we persevered against a while ago. And here I am thinking, okay, well, here we go. We got to fight again. So you know what I did? Like, preemptively, I sent something to the school district. Hey, what, what's your plan? They're like, yo, like, we haven't even heard of this. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I just need you to know, home church is going to need somewhere to meet, okay? So I will say this. Part of the thing that God calls us to when he calls us to something is to be wise and smart and strategic. You know, last week we cast some vision over where we're going, and I want you to know, none of that is going to change. And I will say this with love, with respect, with courtesy, and with compassion, that as long as we have the opportunity to gather as believers, we will do that. We will do it safely we will do it in, as best we can, but my commitment to you is that the body of believers does not stop gathering no matter what comes. And I don't care if they shut down this school, we'll be in the parking lot. They tell us you can't meet in the parking lot, we'll go back to the campground. They say you can't meet at the campground, listen, I, we will find a park. I'm telling you, this will not be the opposition that stops this house from building. This is not it. And you can, you know, share all your political statements, all that stuff. I'm not making a political statement. I'm telling you that the house of God will not be deterred, and this house of God will not be slowed down. And we will continue to gather, come what may. All right? Man, I did that so long, my iPad shut down on me. <laughs> Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild. Now, every time I've been about something, uh, there's always been a couple of attacks. There's an attack from the enemy, uh, typically opposition. And then inevitably, when you're trying to do something wild, you're trying to do something crazy, you're trying to stir up some change, inevitably, you know who else is going to be upset? Some of the people with you. And this is what happens in, in verse 10. The people in Judah, they're starting to say, man, this is hard. The strength of the laborers is starting to wane. How are we gonna do it? There's too much rubble. There's too much to be rebuilt. There's too much, and we don't have enough people to do it. How are we gonna make it happen? This inevitably happens on a team. You've ever played on a sports team and you get down and it's late in the game? What happens? People turn on each other. They forget the vision. They forget what we're about. They forget the plan, and we just start infighting. These guys are nervous, and they start to complain. And then it goes on to verse 12. Then the Jews, these are the people already that lived near them, came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. <sighs> really? 10 times they came and, and said, we're under attack. They're going to attack us. They're going to attack us. This ain't going to work. I don't know how this is going to work. What are we going to do? How's this going to work? This ain't going to work. 
they, they, they fall trapped to gossip. They fall trapped to fear. They fall trapped to worry and anxiety. Man, I get it. I, I hear all of those things. You should have heard the things said when we started this church. <laughs> and then I can't even imagine what didn't get said to me. And this happens because the enemy opposes the, the enemy from without, and sometimes the enemy from within starts to create this opposition of how are we going to do this? How, how's this going to work? But here's the beautiful part, which is this, is that when the Lord calls us to something, he calls us to be a part of it, God will be faithful to see us through. He will be faithful to provide all that we need. He will bring more people. He will bring more resources. He will bring more gifting. He will give us all that we need to see his purposes in this earth be fulfilled. That's the promise that I hold on to. That's the promise that I trust and that I've given my life to. Like if this thing doesn't work, I got no plan B. Can somebody hire me? Like this thing doesn't work. Can somebody, Katie, will you hire me, please? I'm just, I'm just saying, right? And this happens. And I so get it because I've been there. I've been a part of things that, that are difficult and hard and sometimes like, how I don't, I don't really think I understand how that's going to look and function and flow. And can, can you maybe give me some, some more clarity over how this looks and how we're going to do this and that? I've been there. Man, I totally get it. And the thing is, is here's what we see. We, we see the leader reminding us, hey, 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 listen, man, I hear you. I hear you. But I'm telling you, we're going to be okay. God's going to provide God is for us. God is with us. He will not forget us or forsake us. God has called us to an incredible thing here. And he is faithful to complete what he started. And he's going to be faithful to complete this as well. Verse 13. So this is Nehemiah's response to all that, to opposition from without and some opposition within. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. And today, I came to declare to you, home church, no matter what opposition comes up from out or from within, I came to remind you that the Lord is great and awesome, and he is with us, and he is for us, and he will provide for us. And to remind you what we're in this for, to fight for our families, to fight for our homes, to fight for our wives and our husbands and our children's and our children's and our children. Like that's what we've been called to. We can't get caught up in all the other stuff. We've got to be reminded of what God has called us to. And for us at Home Church, we have been called to be about the home. To equip mamas and daddies to be the pastors of their house so that when they raise their children in the ways of the Lord, they will not depart from it. 
And we believe that we will see a home transition by the ways of the Lord, and that will radiate into workplaces, into schools, and into communities. And ultimately, we're going to see our town change and our town to town, county to county, state to state, and we will see our nation be revived through the Holy Spirit because we start right here. Remember, this is for your house. This is for your family. This is for your children, your grandchildren. Let's not forget what God has called us to. Let's not let the opposition play tricks on us. Let's not be discouraged by the difficulty of the work. Let's be reminded that God is for us and he's called us to something great. And anytime God calls you to something great, opposition will arise, but we will persevere. We will. You don't know how I know? <laughs> Look at what the Bible says, verse 15. When our enemies heard that, and that we were aware of their plot and God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each one to our own work. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves uh, behind all of the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in their other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. I want you to see this image. These people, despite the opposition, remembered what they were called to and they got back to work. And I love that the scripture reminds us that they did work with a, with a weapon in one hand and they did work with the other. Believer, this is what our life should look like. Where we do work with a weapon, the sword of God in one hand, and we get to building this life and the things of God that he's called us to with the other. We will be in opposition. There will be something that comes against us, the enemy. There is only one way to ward off the enemy. It is the truth. The sword is what we carry. This is the posture that we're called to walk in. Weapon in one hand, work with the other. I love that image. I love that image that Nehemiah gives us that they, that they got back to work. This is the image for us as well. So of course, they get busy working and I want you to see what happens. They continue and this is flip over to Nehemiah chapter six. So just an, another chapter over. When the word came to Sanballat, this is uh, verse one, in chapter 6, when the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Gresham, and the Arabs, uh, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Gresham, uh, Geshem, excuse me, sent me this message, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ona. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me that same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Can you see this? The wall is being rebuilt, and these enemies, they're trying one more thing. They're trying distraction now. Hey, Nehemiah, come and let's meet. 
hey, Nehemiah, come down off that wall and let's gather in a village and have some lunch. Hey, Nehemiah, let's have a conversation about how and why you are doing this and that. We just, we just are interested. We just want to know. What are you doing? And I love Nehemiah's response. And I need you to know something about me. My ministry life has been built on this book. I've told you before that this is one of my favorite books in Scripture. Let me correct that. It is my favorite book in Scripture. My ministry life has been built on this book and the leadership taught in the book of Nehemiah. And whenever you've encountered me, one thing that you will know is that I am steadfast. When God puts a word in my heart, there is nothing anyone can do to change it. Nothing. The Holy Spirit will have to change me before I will change me. And Nehemiah has that. He's like, yo, this is too important. This work is too important. I am not coming down. Four times they asked him, nah, homie, can't come down. Man, lunch sounds great. No, thank you. Hey, I'd love to have a conversation and hear about your plans and what I was going to. Can't do it, man. Got, got this going on? Can't do it. I love Nehemiah's resolve to stand fast and not be distracted. I, I wish I had uh, that resolve. Uh, the truth is, is that there are some times in my life that I've not had that resolve. Uh, this week was one of them. <laughs> um, so I was literally writing this message on opposition, and I got to the point of writing this part around distraction and how the enemy likes to distract us. And, and uh, uh, I usually write my messages on Tuesday mornings. And uh, this Tuesday morning, I was sitting and I got an email and it dings in my phone. And I go and I open it up and it was an email from the Cheesecake Factory. Hello, anybody? I can forward it to you, all right? So I get this email from the Cheesecake Factory and, and I'm like, yo, I haven't had the Cheesecake Factory in a long time. That sounds really good. And then I start thinking, oh my gosh, you guys, they just opened a Cheesecake Factory right across the lake in Burkdale. We, I'm, I'm going to get Katie. We're going to go, and we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome, Cheesecake Factory. And then I was like, well, hang on. Man, they just opened. Whew, it's already normally busy. Ugh, it's going to be a long line. Um, okay, tell you what. I'll just wait until the new wears off of it, and then maybe we will go a little later. And, so, and then I thought, okay, well, the last time I was at the Cheesecake Factory, uh, before that, they had killed off the Snickers Cheesecake, and I was ready to kill them. Okay, And then I found out that they brought the Snickers cheesecake back. And so in that minute, I had that thought of, yo, I kind of want some Snickers cheesecake. So I pick up my phone, and I go to start texting Katie, and I'm like, hey, I think we should go to the Cheesecake Factory and get some Snickers cheesecake. But before I was able to hit send, uh, a Facebook notification popped up. And 15 minutes later, I was scrolling, you know? I was just scrolling, uh, and then a Cheesecake Factory ad popped up. And I was like, oh, crap. I totally forgot what I was doing. Texting Katie. Oh, wait. That's not what I was doing. I was writing a message. Ugh. I mean, like, this is our life, right? I I'm literally right at the end of my message. I'm writing it. And I'm coming to this, this penultimate moment of this entire series that we've been building to. And I'm, I'm about to write the words that I'm about to preach to you. And the enemy is showing me Cheesecake. Man, he knows me so good. God, the enemy knows me so good. And then I got distracted on social media. 
friends, like this is, I want you to see this. That God is really good and gracious to give us work to do in this earth. He gifts us, he burdens us, he convicts us, and he calls us to be a part of something really beautiful. You see, our God doesn't need any of us. Did you know that? He doesn't need us. Our God doesn't need any of us. Which is so much sweeter to know that he wants us. And not only does he want us, he wants to be in relationship with us and he wants to use us for his purposes. What an incredible gift. And yet we, we, we fall trapped to the enemy and distraction and it pulls us off our mark. You know, this entire series We've been talking about this man who God called, who had a hometown heartbreak, who was burdened to do something about it, broke the chains that were holding him back in the form of sin, and and then got clarity of vision for his part to play in it. And he went and cast vision and called people to action. And then they started to do this work and to rebuild. And all of a sudden, man, they're just rebuilding and rebuilding and doing all this stuff. And they had the resolve to not give up even when there was opposition and distraction. And this is what we're called to. The next step for us is to move forward and see it be rebuilt. This is the heart of our house. We want to see our town be taken by Jesus. We want to see people meet Jesus and come to know him in the form of salvation. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see health miracles. We want to see incredible things happen in our community. But as I've told you every single week, that revival starts in the heart of people. It starts in our houses first. It started in Nehemiah. He went from this understanding of the reality of the situation, it led him to repentance. Repentance led him to ultimately seeing the wall of Jerusalem be restored and they got to work. And now we see it be rebuilt. Finally, could you imagine what Nehemiah saw that first moment when he actually laid eyes on that wall? This is impossible. This is impossible. How how are we going to do this? Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture. The work of God completed in this moment. So the wall of Jerusalem was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. (laughs) What? 52 days? What? How? How? 
how? How is this thing that had been broken down and ruined in fire and, and we're in disgrace, an entire nation had been exiled and in 52 days because of the burden of God on one man and the vision he gave a man to lead people to do a rebuilding work. In 52 days, God rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. How? He didn't show up and do it. He used people. He wants to use you and me and us. He wants to see maiden taken for his glory and our good. How? He's going to use us. He's going to use me. He's going to use you. 52 days, the impossible became possible. How? God. That's how. God working through his people. That's how. But I want you to see this. This is important. Because now the wall of Jerusalem has been rebuilt, and that's great. But we're looking for rubble to revival, not just rubble to be rebuilt. And I'm excited for you to come back next week because I want to show you the revival that happens amongst God's people now that the wall has been rebuilt. 52 days. 52 days. And man, I know that you walked in here today looking at something in your life and thinking, how's this gonna work? How's this possible? How am I gonna build this business? How am I gonna restore my business? How is my marriage gonna work? How is my new marriage gonna work? How is my, my health going to get back in order? How am I gonna raise these kids? They're wild and crazy. I know so many of us are looking at so many situations in our life and thinking this is impossible. But I came to declare to you today, friends, that with God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. A wall of Jerusalem can be rebuilt in 52 days. Impossible, you say? I say it's possible. How do I know? The word of God teaches us. And if that's not enough hope for you, I got even better hope for you. Because you and I, our lives have been in ruins as well. From the very beginning of our lives, we have been in sin, broken and separated from God. But God in his great love, his great mercy, his great kindness, sent his son Jesus to earth to live a perfect life. Jesus ultimately paid the price for your sin and mine to reconcile us to God, to forgive us. He hung on a cross and in that moment he carried the weight of your sin and mine. They took him off that cross and they buried him in a tomb. And three days later, he got up out of the grave. Jesus called his shot. He said, in three days, I will tear down this temple and rebuild it. And he did. Three days, eternity changed. And for many of you in the room, you've put your faith in Jesus and your eternity has been changed because of those three days. The impossible has been made possible. But there are some of you that look at a hopeless life in a hopeless eternity, and I came to tell you today that the impossible can be possible for you if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. That's better than building any wall. It saves your eternity. It reconciles you to God. You become the friend of Jesus. What good news? What good news? God is calling us to a great work in this town. 
And I know you might look around and be like, man, this is a big and growing town. There's not enough of us. God will bring more people. I know you might look around and say, how's this going to work? We load in and load out every week. God will bring more resources. How are, how are we going to see our town change? There's so many other churches who people have just gone to for all their lives. God will draw people to himself when his son Jesus is lifted up. How are we going to rebuild a town? One home at a time. Your house. Your house. Your house. Your house. My house. One home at a time, we will see this town be taken for Jesus. And I'm excited to see what God wants to do in and through us. So I'll call you to action one more time. Last week I said, hey, take a step in. Take a part, play a part. Same invitation today. Stop by the guest services area. Don't let another day go by. Come play a part. But the last thing I will leave you with is this. I know that you walked in today feeling something in your life is probably impossible. This has been a hard week because there's been doubt and, and opposition in the way of like, is, what is God gonna do? How's he gonna do all this through our church? And I've just came to encourage you today that with everything in me, I believe this is what God's called us to, to take the town, He's going to provide a way. He's going to give us what we need. He's just calling us to do the work. It's time to start rebuilding. It's time to start rebuilding. We know what God is calling us to. It's time to go and do the work. We sang this song earlier. With all of the faith in the room, with all of the faith in the room, what can God not do? I just want to encourage us today. It's time for us collectively as a family to stir up our collective faith and believe that God can do anything. With all of our faith combined, when we, when we actually get after it together, what can he not accomplish through us? Some ragtag people rebuilt a wall in 52 days. What can he do with us? Impossible? No. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. What's he need to do in your life? What do you need God to do in your life? I know what we're praying that he would do in our church, that we would do and we would see revival happen in our town. That's what we're praying for. And so I wanna encourage you to summon up some faith for your own self and in your own life and for this town. Would you do that? And so in a moment, we're gonna sing and we're gonna declare this one more time. And I wanna encourage you to stir up faith of your own, that God will move in you, he will move in us. And then as he does it, we can declare that anything is possible. Come on church, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. When all of us get together and we trust God, he will move, he will move, he will be faithful. And I believe that we can stand and declare and sing that anything is possible. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.